0: Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. And God, we open our hearts wide to you. Father, we're here to hear from you. We're not here just to visit and, and laugh and have fun. God, that's all great, but we are here to meet with you to hear from you, to receive from you. So right now we lay aside the cares of life, we lay aside all distractions, and we fix our focus on you, and we position ourselves to hear. Father, speak to each and every one of us by your spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. All right. You know, unity is so vitally important to the heart of God. And I want to start out tonight just reading one of the verses that has really been a foundational verse in this series in John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed for our unity. And in this chapter, Jesus starts out and he's praying first of all for himself and then he prays for his disciples. And then in verse 20, It says, I do not pray for these alone, referring to his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That means you and me. He's praying for everyone who will ever come to believe that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. We become perfect in oneness with each other and with God. So, And then it tells us the purpose, why it's so important that we're united That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Ladies, when we unite together as the body of Christ, that's when we reveal God to the world. That's when we reveal his love to the world. Jesus is saying that. The Father loves us as much as he loves him, his very own son. And we reveal that love to the world around us when we unite with each other. There's so much division in our world. Unity is so vitally important. And when others see us, the body of Christ uniting, it reveals God to the world around us. And, you know, that's the crux of our purpose on this earth, to, real, to reveal God to the world around us. That's the crux of our very existence on earth, to reveal God and his love to this world. That's why we're here. So if we want to fulfill God's purposes for our lives, it's only going to happen when we choose to unite. It's never going to happen when we're off, isolated, all on our own. We fulfill God's purposes for our lives when we are united with others as the body of Christ. I want to fulfill God's purposes for my life. How many of you do? I believe you do. And then in Psalm 133, it also tells us that when we are united, that's where God commands his blessings it's not a possibility it's not oh maybe we'll maybe there'll be some blessings no God commands blessings where he sees us united unity is so vitally important to the heart of God we've got to recognize that but you know just because we are all gathered here in this place tonight And just because there's beautiful diversity among us, there's still more God wants to do. You know, I love looking around this room and seeing the diversity among us. I love seeing the diversity of ages. Okay, students, where are we? Are you? Let me hear you tonight. Woo-hoo! I love it. All right. All right. Moms, can you compete? Moms, where are you? Awesome. Okay. Grandmas? Where are you? (laughs) Love it. I love the diversity of generations at Bridge Women. So awesome. There's so much diversity among us. I mean, look around the room. Look how beautiful this is. Diversity of ages, diversity of ethnicities, diversity of backgrounds, all different things. I love it. It's so beautiful. But as beautiful as that is, do you know, that that doesn't mean we're united. We're here. We're present. We're together. But unity is not just sitting near people we don't know. Unity is not the absence of conflict among us. Unity is not just coming together and all looking nice and wearing our little Christian smile and giving our little Christian hugs and then going on our way. Unity comes when we let down our walls, when we open our hearts and our lives to each other. Unity requires building bridges among us. Unity requires some effort among us. And in this series, we have talked about how to go about that, about how to get better at building unity among us. And we talked about how the early church built unity, and we learned lessons from them. And we talked about how to build unity into all different types of relationships as we looked at different scriptures. Because the Bible is full of wisdom on how to build unity into all different relationships, in family relationships, marriage relationships, parent-child relationships, friendships among people we serve together with. It gives us wisdom on how to examine our motives in relationships. It gives us wisdom on how to resolve conflicts in relationship. So we've talked about all of these different types of relationships and gleaned wisdom from the Bible. And then we've also spent time talking about the blessings that come as a result of unity because Psalm 133 told us, Where there's unity, he commands the blessings. So we've taken a little bit of time to look at some unions in the Bible. We've looked at people who united around God's purposes, and we saw the incredible blessings that came as a result. We looked at unions like Esther and Mordecai, Deborah and Barak, Aquila and Priscilla, Paul, you know, The Apostle Paul, he had countless relationships, people he served with alongside him in ministry. I've heard it said that he had over 100 different partners in ministry. The Apostle Paul dealt with some major challenges. (laughs) If you read your Bible, you see he had major obstacles in his life, challenges everywhere he turned. But I believe because he was united with so many others in the body that he was strengthened and he was able to pursue and and persevere even in the midst of challenges. But through all of these unions that we've seen, we've seen such incredible blessings that came as a result. Blessings like courage. Anybody need courage? Blessings like favor. Blessings like truth coming to light, truth prevailing, justice prevailing. Strength. Anybody need Strength. I promise you, you will gain strength when you join your heart and your life with other believers. When we sit back isolated on an island all by ourselves, it deflates us. We are not strengthened on our own. We are strengthened and better together. We've seen blessings that came as a result of those unions, like victory. There were victory in battles, victory in challenges and trials people were encouraged provision came forth there was fulfillment people found peace so many blessings that came as a result of people uniting around God's purposes but you know two of the blessings that we've seen in the word throughout some of these examples I want to touch on tonight because they're so important one is the fulfillment of purpose you see God's purposes are fulfilled when we unite together. His purposes are never, ever about just one person. His purposes are always bigger than us. You know, we can't say, oh, I'm just going to go off and pursue God's purposes for my life and just be on my own and do my thing. No, God's purposes are always attached to other people. They're always bigger than just us. And they will always impact far more lives than we will ever know. And that leads me to the second blessing that I want to touch on, a godly legacy. Do you know when we unite our lives together, that's when we'll leave a godly legacy. How many of you want to leave a godly legacy? I want to leave a godly legacy. Yesterday, here at the bridge, we had a memorial service where we honored our founding pastor, Roger Brewer. And through the service, we heard and we saw so beautifully his legacy. And how his legacy continues on today here at this church. And all that we're doing, he is part of that. His legacy continues. And Pastor Evie, our other founding pastor, is here tonight. Pastor Evie, would you stand up? I want everyone to see your beautiful face. Not only is she my very precious friend, there is a supernatural connection between us because God has united our lives around his purposes. His purposes for her life and his purposes for my life cannot be separated. As they started this church, as we've stepped in, and we are currently pastoring this church, and the church will continue and go on and on. Our destinies, our purposes cannot be separated. We are united together around God's purposes. And everything that we're doing here at Bridge Women, she is part of. She has laid a foundation. And... Women, we're reaching right here at Bridge Women. Women, we're reaching out in the community. Women, we're reaching in India through the women's conferences that we here at Bridge Women support and sponsor every year. She has a part in that. Her legacy continues on. Think about it like this. Think about a relay race. It's not the runner who crosses the finish line who wins. It's the whole team who wins we're all in this together our lives are so much bigger than any one individual our lives are bigger than us and too often we just look at our lives at a as a portrait as one short window in time when we're in reality our lives are murals that go from scene to scene to scene each scene full of other people that God's using us to connect with. And each scene continues. And when the time comes that we are no longer present in those scenes, the mural is still continuing because the future scenes would not be possible without us taking our place to fulfill God's purposes in the scenes in which we live we have got to do our part to take our place and when we do that when we connect with the body and we're willing to be united to fulfill his purpose we leave a godly legacy that continues and impacts generation after generation so if divine purpose and if god's richest blessings and a godly legacy are all things that come about through uniting with the body of Christ, then it stands to reason that the enemy will do everything in his power to keep us from uniting. Would you agree? And throughout this series, we've talked about many of the ways that he tries to interfere with our unity and divide us and Plant his lies in our minds. We've talked about things like insecurity and how that keeps us from uniting because we withdraw. We live in fear of what others are thinking. We compare. We compete. We overcompensate with pride. All of those things keep us from being united We've talked about how the enemy will try to get us to pick up offenses, but offenses are nothing more than a trap of the enemy. To get us to hold on to hurt and unforgiveness and bitterness and to paralyze ourselves, digging a pit, jumping in, and staying right there, stagnant, never moving forward in relationships and in what God has for us. We talked about how condemnation, guilt, and shame is a plan of the enemy to keep us from uniting. The cares of the world can keep us from uniting. Busyness, so many things can keep us from uniting together. And I want to encourage you, if you have missed any of the teachings throughout the season. We talk about these things in great depth, but you can go back and you can hear the podcast, and I encourage you to do that. But tonight, I want us to recognize... What all of these things that the enemy tries to do to divide, tries to use to divide us, to keep us from uniting, I want us to notice something that they all have in common and maybe just see them from a little different perspective tonight. I want you to think with me about the very nature of the enemy. Ezekiel 28, it talks about the king of Tyre and. It's actually a prophecy about the fall of Lucifer or Satan who started out as this amazing angel created by God. And it says in Ezekiel 28 that he was the seal of perfection, that he was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Every precious stone was his covering. He was created with timbrels and pipes and And believed to have had a very significant role in music in heaven surrounding God's throne. It says he was an anointed cherub who covered the throne of God. He was on the holy mountain of God. Perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found in him. And it says that his heart was filled with pride because of his beauty and perfection. And he began to say, I am a God. He wanted to take God's place. And he was cast out of heaven. You see, his eyes, his focus turned inward. Turned towards himself. He became all about himself. And he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted all the glory and adoration. His nature became completely self-focused. Ladies, the the nature of the enemy, we've got to learn this and understand this. The nature of the enemy is to be self-focused. We're going to talk about that quite a bit in the next few minutes. So I want you to remember that because I'm gonna come back and ask you. Okay, so tell me, make sure uh, so I can know you remember. The nature of the enemy is self-focused. All right, you got it. All right, don't forget. Now, I, next I want you to think about what happened in the Garden of Eden. The enemy came in the form of a serpent and lied to Eve. And he told her, don't pay attention to what God told you, right? He said, oh, you can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, don't listen to God. Don't believe God. You can eat that fruit because then you will be like God. You will know everything God knows. You see, the enemy tempted her by causing her to put her eyes upon herself to become self-focused. And to think that she could become just like God. To think that she didn't need God. And by believing this lie, it not only affected her, it affected Adam and it affected all humanity as sin entered the world. The enemy caused her to take on his nature. And what is his nature? Self-focus. We've got to recognize That just as he did this with Eve, this is his plan. And he does it with each and every one of us. He tries to get us to get our focus on ourselves so that we won't unite, so that we won't be others minded, so that we won't walk in unity, so that we won't walk in God's purposes for our lives and experience his blessings for our lives. You see, the enemy is real. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour the amazing plans and purposes that God has for our lives. He wants to devour the blessings that God has for our lives. He wants to keep us from going forward in the life God created us to live. John 8, 44 says that he is a liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in him. He lies. That's what he does. That's all he knows how to do. He spends his time lying and doing everything in his power to get us to become self-focused, to get us to take on his nature. Because then we will never unite with the body of Christ as God intended. We will never make God known to the world around us as God intended. And we will never fulfill our purposes and see his blessings in our lives. I want you to think about it with me. Think about how it impacts all of us. When you're insecure, when you have thoughts of, oh, what are they going to think of me? Oh, what if they don't like me? What, what if I don't say the right thing? Where are your eyes? On ourselves. When we're prideful, oh, look at me, look what I did, look at my great success. Where are our eyes? On ourselves. When we pick up an offense, oh, I can't believe they did that to me. How could they do that to me? Where are our eyes? On ourselves. When we live with one foot in the world and one foot trying to have relationship with God, thinking, well, we don't really have to follow all of God's ways. We can do whatever we feel like whenever we feel like it. Where are our eyes? On ourselves, doing our own thing. When we live under shame and condemnation, feeling like we're a failure, like we've just blown it so badly, where are our eyes? On ourselves. When we're consumed with the cares of the world, well, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this challenge, and oh, no, what's going to happen, and am I going to be okay? Where are our eyes? On ourselves. When we're so busy and consumed with our own schedules oh i've got to be here and i've got to do this and i've got to do that and i'm oh i'm late for this and i'm here i go i've got this and this and this where are our eyes on ourselves do you see how all of these things that the enemy brings into our life they all try to get us to take on his nature of self-focus i remember in my life as a young adult when God so clearly spoke to me and I had been so shy in my young life and he spoke so clearly to me and it was just out of the blue one day and I heard shyness is selfishness and I had a really quick answer for God because I really had it all figured out I said no Arrogance is selfishness, and shyness is the opposite of arrogance, I thought. And so shyness is good. It's pure, holy something. I just knew it was a good thing. And then I heard the question, no, when you're shy, where are your eyes? Wow, I had to stop and realize on myself. And that was a revelation to me that changed my life. Life, Ladies, we've got to recognize the enemy is trying to get us to live with our eyes on ourselves, taking on his nature. All these things that he uses to get us to put up walls, to withdraw, to divide us, they all simply get our eyes on ourselves. They cause us to take on his nature of self-focus. But God's nature is to be focused on people. When we take on God's nature, that's when we unite. We get our eyes off of ourselves and our eyes on others. But when we take on the enemy's nature, we prevent God's purposes from being fulfilled through us, and we push away his blessings because his purposes and his blessings come through uniting with others. Too often, I think we walk through life as believers, but we demonstrate the nature of the enemy more than we demonstrate the nature of God. Because we walk through life with our eyes on ourselves. Too many people never walk in the fullness and richness of all that God has for them because they never take authority over the enemy and his lies. And you might be sitting here tonight thinking, yeah, well, you don't know what I've been through. I have been so betrayed in life. Did you remember that Jesus said, my father, why have you forsaken me? When he went to that cross of Calvary, he endured rejection. He endured betrayal. He endured abandonment on Calvary to bring freedom for us. Ladies, we can stop living as victims because of what was accomplished on that cross of Calvary. And it is time to stop letting the enemy have the final word in our lives. It is time to start allowing the cross to have the final word in our lives. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe you have suffered abuse in your life. Can I tell you, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. That injustice ever happened in your life? But I believe God wants to just nudge your heart tonight and remind you that Jesus was horrifically abused on Calvary. He was beaten. He was whipped beyond recognition. His skin pulled off of his very bones and skeleton, beaten beyond recognition, violently abused to bring freedom for us, for you, and for me. Ladies, we don't have to carry the pain and let abuse shape our lives. Jesus' abuse paid for our freedom. What he endured on the cross has the final word in our lives. Jesus was lied about. He was persecuted. He was condemned, mocked, spit upon, given every reason to pick up offense. But he didn't. He endured it all for our freedom. Do you know he? Jesus himself told us in scripture that we will have opportunities for offense. But we don't have to pick up those opportunities. He paid the price for it. Don't let the enemy have the final word in your life. The cross has the final word in our lives. Jesus died for us. He died for me. He died for you to bring us into relationship with him and to unite us as his body. He endured rejection, betrayal, hurt, pain, sorrow, abandonment, everything that tries to cause us to take on the enemy's nature, getting our eyes on ourselves. Jesus paid for all of that He paid the price for all of it. He endured all of it for us. So we've got to realize that we can choose to hold on to those things that divide us and those things that keep our focus on ourselves. But when we do, we are choosing to demonstrate the nature of the enemy, self-focus. And we are telling Jesus that what he accomplished on Calvary's cross wasn't enough for us. What he accomplished on Calvary's cross was more than enough for us. And that cross unites unity among us is so vitally important and the only way that we will continually walk in unity throughout our lives is to continually come to the cross to continually take the things that we pick up along the way the things that we've been carrying that we don't need to be carrying to take those things to the cross and leave them there in exchange for the freedom that Christ paid for, for us. We can take everything in our lives that's been in line with the enemy's nature to the cross in exchange for the nature of Christ. Do you know, even in the midst of his final darkest moments of life, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His nature is always to be focused on others. So I want to ask you, what have you been carrying that you need to take to the cross tonight in exchange for freedom? Have you been carrying an offense? Have you been carrying hurt? Have you been walking in insecurity or shame or fear or worry? What areas of self-focus do you need to take to the cross in exchange for others' focus, the nature of God? Maybe you're here tonight and you think, no, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm in unity with those in my life. I, I don't have any offenses or hurts. I'm doing good. Well, let me just ask you a question like this. Is there anyone in your life that is really driving you crazy right now? Is there anyone in your life that's really irritating you? Could you possibly... Have an attitude toward anyone that might need a little adjustment? Just a thought. Is there anyone in your life who's disappointing you right now? Maybe it's time to take our expectations of them to the cross and trust God to work in their lives. And in our relationship with them. Maybe there's a relationship that you have been working hard on. You've been doing your part to bring healing and to bring unity. But the other person's just not responding. Maybe it's time to take that person, and that relationship to the cross. And entrust them to God completely. And allow him to work in that relationship. I believe that we all have things tonight that we can take to the cross in exchange for the freedom that Jesus paid for for us. So that we can get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on others and unite more fully than ever before to fulfill God's purposes and reveal him to the world around us. So I want to pray for all of us in this place tonight. And I want you to open your heart. And as I pray, I want you to ask God to show you where you've been carrying things that maybe you don't need to carry anymore. Maybe there are things or people that you need to bring to the cross tonight. Let him show you. And then let's make a determination in our heart to take them to the cross and to leave them there. And trust God, declaring that the enemy's not going to have the final word in our lives. But we're going to let the cross have the final word. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. And God, I just pray for each and every woman in this place here tonight. God, you know each one intimately. You know everything going on in their lives. Father, I just ask that by your spirit, you would just speak to each and every one of us, that you would show us, God, where we need to make adjustments, where we may need to let go of offenses, of unforgiveness, of hurt. God, help us to be able to let go of those things, to realize that They're just getting our focus on ourselves. God, show us so we can bring those things to you. Father, show us people that we need to put in your hands. Show us expectations that we need to put in your hands, God. Show us attitudes that need adjustment, that we need to surrender over to you. And Father, right now, I believe you're just speaking to each and every one of our hearts and showing each one of us. God, right now in our hearts, we just bring those things to you. God, we say, here you go. We don't want to carry them anymore because we do not want the enemy to have the final word in our lives. So God, we surrender them to you. And Father, we declare that we will be women who allow the cross to have the final word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.